Welcome to It's All About the Questions, where learning to ask the right questions can help you achieve lifelong success. Now, here to help you ask all the right questions is award-winning author, international speaker, and business strategist, Laura Stewart. Good morning, afternoon, and evening, everyone, and welcome, welcome, welcome to the show this week. Always my favorite part of the week is when I get to spend it with you, my listeners, whether you are listening to me live on iHeartRadio, um, in the listening area, on the radio dial, in your car, in your home, on your favorite iHeart app, wherever that may be, or if you're listening to it on the podcast around the world. To me, I love to be able to connect you with people who have these amazing stories, have amazing messages, and that their goal is to support uplift so critical for me to have people that uplift people in their lives and who also their lives shifted because of questions that they were asked or that other people asked of them. So we're going to dive right in because I finally got to reschedule Dr. Anita M. Jackson, who was originally supposed to be on the show right after my ear surgery when I could not even imagine remotely speaking out loud or listening because hearing was so bad at that point. It was just horrific. So we finally got her on the show today, and I'm diving right in. So Dr. Anita, welcome to the show. Oh, Lori, I'm so glad to be here. Thank you. What an honor. It, you know, it, it's really an honor for me because I get to bring people to my listeners who, you know, they've been through it. Not just have had highs, but have had lows and highs and in the middle somewhere. And you have certainly had that in your life. I, yes, I should do a movie over my life. <laughs> I'm surprised you haven't yet, considering you've had a TV oh, show, you've had on, radio. It'll come. <laughs> All right, movies next. But but let's let's talk about that. I mean, you are. Um, you know, a psychotherapist, a psychologist, you're building your own, I love this, empire. Mm-hmm. But, but you, for somebody that understands the psychological aspects so much of success, mm-hmm. you've struggled with it yourself. Oh, yes. And I see so many women and men go, well, if I only knew more, I would never ha- not have success. What did you say to that? You know, I, it's, it's funny that you bring this particular question up because um, one of the things that is on my heart is for more people to understand that true success happens when you truly believe in yourself, that everything else will follow your lead. So once you believe, once you make a decision, that word decision means to reach a definite conclusion. And once you reach that visceral, spiritual, energetic decision that no matter what, no matter what you've gone through, no matter how good it's been, no matter how bad it's been, no matter how ugly it has been, and I've, God knows I've lived some ugly, that decision, that vision, that purpose is so strong inside me, it keeps me going. And I have gone through a lot of challenges. People look on the outside and went, oh, it must have been easy for her. And I always giggle because I'm like, yeah, if you only knew the backstory, right? If you only knew the stuff that I've gone through, the losses that I've had, which are not typical for most people, but I actually now realize I had to go through that in order to be a light in the darkness, in order to be a voice in the, the chaos to say, keep going. 
you got this, you can do this, you were designed for this. So um, hopefully that answers your question that, you know, no matter what's happening, you've got to make a decision to keep going towards your higher level of success. When you were at that low of your life, and you can share as much of that as you'd like to share, what was going through your mind? Were you asking yourself questions on that downward spiral, or you weren't? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, absolutely. I, I think I'm just like anybody else, any other human who's gone through some sort of loss or traumatic experience. We all ask questions, and I don't think that there's anything wrong with asking the question. The problem may be is are we asking the question and listening for the answer? Sometimes we're not listening for the answer that may be holding us accountable to our own truth. So for my story, um, I've got a lot of twists and turns. So I'll start with probably the most traumatic experience that has shifted me probably the most dynamically. Um, in 2000, so as you said earlier on, I had a background formally as a marriage to family therapist, so a psychotherapist an organizational psychologist, so I have my own private practice. I taught at the university as an associate professor um, in you know, psychology and business. And I also worked as a counselor on a university campus and have my own private practice, thriving, by the way. And in 2011, I got laid off from my you know, state lucrative job. And at that time, everyone was losing their job, everyone was losing their home, losing money, so therapy was no longer a necessity. It was considered a luxury. And so then my practice closed. So when all of your resources, all of your funding starts to disappear, you try to figure out, well, what's next? Where am I going to go? Now, originally, my first thought was, oh, I'm fine, because one, I had money saved, and two, I needed a break. I'm like, okay, great. I could take some time off and breathe and, you know, maybe write a book and figure out what I want to do and just la-di-da, just kind of play along. Well, then three months turned into six months, and six months turned into a year, and a year turned into two, and my money's now disappearing. And by that time, I'm having to make some decisions on what am I going to do. I've applied for over 367 jobs that I was qualified for at that time, and I've got proof. I kept it on purpose because I'm like, I never want to forget that that's what I did, um, and this is the journey that I've gone through. So and you were applying... You were trying to find a position, but yet nothing... And nothing was coming through. Not a single interview. Not one. So, of course, at that point, I'm going, okay, here I am with a specialized skill, and I can't just go get a job at McDonald's. Um, one, my mind won't let me have something like that. And two, McDonald's is not hiring me. <laughs> wow, okay. So what do I do? And so, of course, I'm questioning and trying to figure out. But luckily, I have a very strong spiritual foundation. I, I, you know, trust in God, trust in source and spirit, um, spent a lot of time in prayer and meditation, and went deep within and reconnected to my purpose, my why, and reconnected to my bigger vision. And what I realized was, yeah, this had to happen. And in that process, let me just be more transparent. I lost everything. I didn't just lose my job. I lost my house. I lost the man I was going to marry. I had my car repossessed. I, everything went downward. I had to move back home with my mom. It was the most horrific experience in my life. It was the greatest thing that could have ever happened to me. I now say I'm so grateful that that happened because it put me on the path 
of where I am today, which is why I now have this empire. Now I can tell any woman, I don't care what you've gone through, you can get to the other side. You just have to be very intentional, very smart, and have very strong principles and standards and values to help you move forward and get your inner team, <laughs> get your inner circle, get people who could support you in this process. And that's where I think I've accomplished all that I've accomplished today. You mentioned you have to be intentional. Yet for so many of my listeners, even my clients, and, and myself, you know, when I was going through taking care of my mom and the last two years mm-hmm. after she passed and this whole year uh, challenge that I'm in, I, it can be very difficult to be intentional because your brain begins to build ruts up of, yes. I, you know, I can't do this. I've tried so hard, like with you with the 300, uh, 300 job applications and all those other things. Is there something that you could share with my listeners? What is the, a thing that helped you or a question that helped you stay intentional or find intentional for yourself? You know, that's a great question because I actually have changed over the years, um, probably the past two, where I actually don't use the word intention. I'm kind of surprised it came out of my my mouth, my vocabulary today, (laughs) because I've actually decided for me that intention, although it's good, um, making a decision, again, the word decision means to reach a definite conclusion. And I may have something that maybe others don't have just yet, and I don't mean that negatively, but... um, I have developed some level of resiliency, and I'm also very clear about my purpose and my vision. I think I've always known what I was called to do. Now, was I clear on how I was going to do it? Absolutely not. So part of me answering this question is I think you have to come to a point where you've got to make a decision that no matter what, even thinking grow rich, Napoleon Hill in his book says, Decision is like the root of all things. It's connected to that burning desire. And once you're clear about your vision, and sometimes you need help, you have to find someone who can help you really define what that purpose is, what that burning desire is, what that vision is. And then once you've defined it or identified it, then you make a decision. And in that decision, you never let go. So I'm a little bit stubborn. So because I'm stubborn, I keep that vision, that purpose in front of me, and that's where I keep going to the best of my ability. Even if it means sometimes I don't know how to do it, I keep my eye on it, if that makes any sense. And so when things are difficult and when things feel overwhelming, you've got to come back to your center. You've got to come back to your why. You've got to come back to your purpose. Um, and for me, a lot of my why and purpose is based on my relationship with God. It's, it's that's such a deep truth with me, it keeps me going. It keeps me connected to my intention or that decision or that purpose or that, that, that um, vision or that why. Does that make sense? It, it, it does. Now, with faith being such a large part of who you are, how do you mm-hmm. balance your faith with your business? Because we know that expressing faith, no matter what your faith may mm-hmm. be, I don't gather mm-hmm. whether you're Christian, right. you're Jewish, mm-hmm. you're Muslim, you're a Buddhist, you're an atheist, it doesn't matter, because even atheism is a faith unto itself. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. How do you balance that? Because I know I, I put 
with God all, all is possible, you know, at mm-hmm. the bottom of my signature. And for years I was told, remove that because nobody's going to want to do business with you. I, I've proven otherwise that that's not how it is. But how do right. you yourself balance bringing those things together? You know, that's a great question. I don't know if I've ever thought of it as a balance. It just is for me. I, it just, it's just it's like the air I breathe. I don't know how to function without it. <laughs> so it's like I've never thought of it as having to balance it. It's just, I think it just comes out of me. I even have my clients talk about it. I've got some of my team members talk about it, that. It's just naturally who I am. It's a part of my beingness. It's because, you know, we all do at some level, hopefully, believe that we are all spiritual beings in a human body having a human experience. So because I believe in that so richly, my spirit guides me. I, I spend a lot of time listening to my intuition or listening to my higher self. Whatever label you want to put on it, there's something on the inside that absolutely knows the truth where nothing is missing and nothing is broken. So I have practices. I spend time in prayer and meditation. I have rituals. I do things that make sure that that's like the air I breathe, the, the food I eat. It's just a necessity for me in order for me to operate. I don't know how else to do it. <laughs> so that's a great question. I may have to think about it, but I'm like, it just is. This is just who I am. Well, I love that because that leads to so many more questions, <laughs> <laughs> which, you know, as you know, I, I love the questions. But, it, Anita, where it leads to for me is this idea of Faith is a part of who you are. It's just imprinted in who you are. You Mm -hmm. mentioned several times that you've just always known your purpose. For a lot of people, a lot of my listeners, a lot of my clients, where they start out is they don't have that surety even when things are at the bottom. They, Mm -hmm. They have faith. They don't feel necessarily on a conscious level that it is such an integrated part of themselves, and they're afraid to perhaps step out into their why and their who of who they are because of external factors that Mm -hmm. are going on in their lives, maybe the business that they're in right now. If they're working corporate, they can't express certain sides of their personality, or Mm -hmm. if they're starting their own business, they're afraid they may lose clients. Mm -hmm. This whole concept and idea of, living who you are authentically in every aspect is something that scares a lot of people from doing it. What do you say to that, and how do you advise them to integrate themselves? You know, that's a very powerful question, and I think it's a part of the journey that every single person, including myself, you know, I don't want everyone to think that it was, you know, a divine light from heaven came down and said, this is your purpose. It's been an evolutionary process, but there's certain things that I've always known within myself that I desire. And you're absolutely right. I think even uh, almost every person is going to go through some sort of experience where they're questioning whether or not this is their purpose. So working with as many people as I have as a psychologist, um, I have actually come to this belief system that because we are a multiple being, so we're a body, we're a soul, and we're a spirit, from my humble perspective, each part of us has a story and carries wisdom 
to help us connect to our purpose. And I do believe that every person on this planet has a purpose. And, you know, when I was a professor, I taught a class called Death and Dying, and that Death and Dying class would take my students through a process to help them identify what their possible theme is and purpose is in their life. And so what that looks like is if you were to take a sheet of paper and, and you know, do it horizontally, on the left to the right, create a timeline, and on that timeline from birth to where you are now, you write out all the significant losses, um, experiences that really affected you. You wrote them all out, and then you took a step back and looked at them. There's a potential theme in there, and whatever that theme is, maybe it's a health theme, maybe it's a you know moving theme. Um, so you're having to move all the time. Um, there's losses of relationships. There's losses of money. Any of those kinds of themes probably is the very thing you're supposed to learn and the very thing you're supposed to teach and give to the world. Does that make sense? Can you so, give us an example? Yes. So, for example, mine was money. So I, my whole entire life, I could make money, but I couldn't keep money. And I didn't see it until years, until I actually became a therapist, <laughs> a psychologist, and started to peel the onion apart and realize I have the same exact pattern. And the other pattern was this something, I've had different experiences that constantly made me feel like I wasn't good enough. And not feeling good enough was really the reason why I got all my degrees. It was my unconscious, conscious way of trying to give myself value. And, you know, I spent over $198,000 in education trying to give myself value. And on the day that I graduated with my last degree, my doctorate, my spirit said very clearly as soon as they put that diploma in my hand, it didn't do what you thought it was going to do, did it? And that was basically telling me that all this work <laughs> that I did to get an education, I still felt no different because it wasn't about what I did. It was about who I am, and that's how I am enough got developed. The whole entire institute and the magazine and all the books and all the truths and the guideposts and the programs that I created came from that truth. So that was my journey. I had to go through the things that I went through to understand that truth. Does that make sense? You just got me thinking, and I had goosebumps during that example that you shared. This, the whole theme of I am not enough, I mean, you have five degrees. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't know. I didn't know a lot about myself. I was bored, to be honest with you. <laughs> you know, I only have two. I, I only have two degrees, but when I owned my tech company, I think I had about eight or nine right. high-end certifications on top of all of my degrees and all of that. And yet, I still there are times where I say to myself, "Well, how can I teach this? I don't have that degree, or I don't have that, or I don't have this." And it's seems to be such a common theme for so many people, this idea of I am not enough, I don't have enough that I can be this, do this, help that person, have that money, have that home, um, help that person who is, has no shoes on the side of the street. I can't help them because I'm not enough. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That is, I think it's becoming more and more prevalent in the world, and people want to shift it. But how do you begin to shift? 
this thinking that portions of society have built into so many people that, you know, you just don't have enough inside you. Well, I think the first part is, you know, what I had to do in order for me to start developing my own mindset and way of being in I Am Enough is that I had to acknowledge that I, or become aware, that's the first guidepost to developing I'm enough, self-awareness. Looking at yourself and saying, you know, where did I lose my own sense of faith in myself? What happened to make me feel less than? And sometimes some of us come through from um, traumatic experiences, whether it's been abuse, whether it's been abandonment, those things are real and they do affect us. But then there comes a point when you get to a certain place in your life where you have to, I guess, wake up or, or at least come to your own awareness and say, I need help. And I think we as a society, particularly women, and maybe even men too, but I know I see this in women a lot, we have a hard time really asking for help unless it, we get down to the very, very, very bottom <laughs> when we almost have no choice to ask for help, and even then sometimes we struggle. I know that that's even been my own journey, and I think that's why I've had to go through what I've gone through so I can learn the power of sometimes allowing ourselves to receive because we as women naturally give, and we don't really understand the power of receiving. And how does this all relate to I am enough? Well, I am enough is such, there's eight, you know, standards to it, If you or I call them guideposts, so guideposts to them. Each one helps you get deeper and deeper connected to yourself. And once you get to this place where you believe in you or make a decision to believe in you or make a choice to believe in you, especially when no one else is going to do it, if anything, they're going to follow your lead. And that's what I start to notice. If I think I'm not enough, then the world starts to reflect that right back to me. And then I start having the same kind of experiences and patterns over and over again. But the moment I make a decision to change it, and then work at changing it, then the world reflects that. And what I noticed was the world really responds more powerfully to confidence and, you know, energy that's coming from a positive place than it does negative. We just don't realize that because we've created the pattern. Does that make sense? I don't know well, if I said that really clearly. In, in some cases, the world responds to positive, but in other cases, it seems like it just keeps feeding negative. And, but that's and because building. the pattern's been created. That's because we've created these neurological patterns. We've created this field that is now conditioned to be negative. I am a firm believer, maybe because of my faith, like, all, you know, there's comments where people said we're wired negatively, and I have a really hard time with that, although I understand it from a science, biological perspective. Yet... There's still research. There's an institute called Heart Math Institute who's done a lot of research on letting people know your heart has probably more power and energy coming from it than your, your brain does. So when you connect to the heart of who you are, when you connect to the truth of who you are, you actually emit 5,000 times more power. So you actually have more positive power in you. You've just been conditioned more negatively. And so once we shift, once we make a decision to transform the way we think, and if we've been in this pattern, and I saw this with clients as a, psycho a psychotherapist, when they've been in that pattern for too long, yes, it can be really challenging to get it to change it. But that's why working with a therapist, working with a coach, being a part of a mastermind, 
being a part of some sort of a program or a group where you're being constantly every week or every day challenged to shift the way you think and the way you feel, and that's when things can change. I, I love that. And as we go into the national news break, everybody, I'm Anita, I hold this space for everybody as well. Anita and I are going to challenge you to think about, are you wired negative or positive? And if you think you're wired negative, I want you to think one positive thought that Dr. Anita and I are holding happiness for you. And we're going to talk more about how you can shift when we come back from national news. Hang on, we'll be right back. Welcome back, everyone. We are here with the amazing Dr. Anita M. Jackson, founder and CEO of the Unlimited Women Alliance, AMJ Productions and Publications, and her global voice, because what she talks about is that you are enough, and then she backs it up with how she can help you do that. And she's in the first half of the show, Dr. Anita shared with us some really great questions that you can ask yourself to help you shift from some wired negative thinking that maybe you got stuck in because of your life situations, because of what's been happening in your life, to a positive one. And, Anita, I'd love to go into that some more because not everybody, based on their circumstances, has a belief that they have access to somebody to help them shift. And that's one of the reasons why I have this show is... Mm -hmm. You know, it's a great way for free, really, for right. you to get some amazing access to people like, like yourself and my other guests. So what are some steps, some things that people can begin to do to believe in themselves again and realize they are enough and shift? Well, I, I really believe that the first thing you should do is once you've gone to your self-awareness, you're taking a look at everything, and you're not doing it from a place of judgment, just awareness. You're just looking and saying, okay, am I willing to take 100% responsibility for the part that I played in maybe participating in this? For example, maybe I had you know, good money, but I wasn't saving it. I was spending it frivolously, so I need to take responsibility for that part. Um, or... Um, you know, once you take responsibility for whatever it is you need to take responsibility for, then you need to forgive yourself. I think so often I see women, probably more so than men, although men do it too, but women for sure, are so hard on ourselves. Um, and we need to come to a place of forgiveness. And forgiveness basically has five steps to it, and then there's a, a particular method. I like Honopono. Laura, you may have heard of that. No. I think it's probably one of the best processes out there. So let me kind of talk about each one real quickly. So what I learned from one of my mentors um, talked about there are five elements to forgiveness. It's first recognizing, you know, what the problem is. It's then recognizing um, what you did in the problem. Then it's actually asking for forgiveness. And then it's learning the lesson. And then it's letting it go. Well, Honopono does the same thing through, I think, four phrases, if I remember correctly. So it's, I'm sorry, please forgive me, thank you, I love you. And then you're saying it over and over again on that particular issue. So let's say you're doing, I'm sorry that I didn't listen to my inner self. I didn't listen to my intuition. I'm sorry that I didn't honor you when you gave me insight onto what direction to go in my life. I'm sorry about whatever. Please forgive me for not listening, for not paying attention, for not honoring you. 
um, thank you for giving me that insight and giving me maybe new revelation knowledge now. And I love you and I want to have an intimate relationship with you. And as we go through this process over and over again, something starts to release. Something in us, something in our spirit, something in our being starts to let go of that old way of thinking and feeling. And then once it's released, new downloads, new intuition, new insight, new information can come through to help you move forward. And so that's another part of my faith practice that I do pretty regularly so that I can keep myself as clear and as open as possible and grounded as possible as I move forward in my life. So that's one of probably the top practices that I would encourage everybody to do on a regular basis. Um, another one is tapping, using okay, emotional wait, wait. freedom. Before you, before you go into another one, I, yeah. I just had this total aha that, you know, everybody talks about at the end of the day, you should write your gratitude journal and, and all of that. You should write mm-hmm. what, you're, what you're happy for, what you're grateful for, what your successes were for the day. I'm, I'm, going, good. I'm like, wouldn't it be so cool if every day you forgave yourself? Right. Yes. Yes. You know, before you go to bed, we would have. forgive <sighs> yourself for anything, you know, that you're mad at yourself for, you're angry at yourself for, you're frustrated with. Every day, forgive yourself and start with a clean slate. I... I Oh, my God, I love what you just said. <laughs> yeah, it's, imagine starting that every single morning and every single night yeah. to kind of cushion your day with that. Because I do believe a lot of us are so busy running from one activity to the next that we're not listening to our higher truth, we're not listening to our spirit, we're not listening to God's source of spirit, whatever word works for you. We're not listening enough. And if we actually took the time to listen, we'd probably be guided in the direction that's for our highest good. And so doing this, you know, Honopono process or this forgiveness process is very powerful. I know it works for me, so I, you know, I use it on a regular basis and I share this with my clients all the time, telling you, you, you've got to make some sort of time on your calendar where you're connected to your higher self every single day. It it has to be non-negotiable. It's like the air you breathe. You can't function if you don't do something like this for yourself regularly. Yeah, and and over time, I would imagine, I could just see this, I could feel it, that you go to do this process of getting to this place of forgiveness and you go, okay, what do I need to forgive myself for today? And all of a sudden you realize, no, I'm good. (laughs) Yeah. Retrain your pain. And then when that happens, when that happens, then you have to start doing that towards others. Forgive anyone and everyone for who they are so that you're not carrying any kind of judgment or energy that could be blocking your ability to move forward or quantum leap into your next level so that you can have the kind of success that you want. At, at this point, I'm like, <laughs> I say this quite often, I don't have time to deal with lo- small stuff anymore. Life is, is picking up speed. Things are changing very quickly. I, I have to be about living my highest purpose so that I can not only heal myself, but I've got to heal my family and make a bigger impact in the community that hopefully eventually will change the world. We don't have time to mess around with small stuff anymore. So this Honopono process, it's, it's not only just for me, but it, it actually kind of 
emanates to everybody else around me. And just imagine if we created this tipping point where everybody would love themselves and forgive themselves and we all believe that we're enough, we could change the world. And it's gonna it's gonna start from a woman. So, <laughs> but you know we're kind of partial. <laughs> we're kind of biased that way. <laughs> I, I don't mind if it start mind if it starts for men. I just wanted to start. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> like said, good point. Good point. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. So a lot of the work that you have begun to refine yourself to, Anita, is about these women's initiatives. And, you know, I'm always torn because I want to support and help and grow women. But most of my life I was always in male-dominated careers, you know, in tech Mm -hmm. and sports and in all of those different things. And it's become sort of a, I mean, I love it, you know, the whole Me Too movement, how it's created awareness. And now these amazing women's networks, like my friend Catherine Rose, who created Wise Her, and mm-hmm. so many other women, and like you, creating the Unlimited Women, the Unlimited Women Alliance, and all the work mm-hmm. you're doing, why is it so important that we create, and I love this word you use, a fempire? Because we get put down when we try to focus on a male, a female-dominated or female-focused versus a male. And I'm not sure if my questioning kind of made sense there because I was thinking it through as I was talking about it. <laughs> I think I got the gist. Well, okay. you know, I don't want to... I've always been one of those individuals who doesn't want to respond like everybody else does. But what really put was placed on my heart and why I started to focus on women was... As a psychotherapist, it was fascinating to me to work with 90% of my clients, and this happens pretty much in all psychotherapists. Their private practice probably has more women than we do men because women tend to come to those kinds of services when they absolutely need it. When it comes to the point where, like, I need help, let's go to therapy, let's go to a pastor or something like that, men, men may not respond that way at first. Usually they come around, but they don't respond that way at first. And so what I found was that um, these women were gifted and talented and very capable, but never owned it, never had enough confidence to believe that they were gifted and talented and capable of doing anything that they put their mind to. They weren't acknowledging or seeing what they've already overcome, how far they've come um, in their personal life or even in their business. And I think something in me has this this tenacity. I don't know if that's the right word. Maybe there's another word. My brain's not catching it right now. But when I see a woman who I can see her gifts and her talents and that she's very capable of doing anything she puts her mind to, when I see her beating herself up or thinking less of herself or not developing the self-confidence, something kicks in or turns on inside me that says, oh, my gosh, you're so totally enough. And I think there's a fight that says I can't allow a sister to not know that she's good enough, that she's capable enough, that she can have anything and everything that she wants. And so as I start to step back and enter into the entrepreneurial world, I start to see the same thing. And then I start to realize that a lot of the women who are in the entrepreneurial world weren't using, mm, let me say this a different way, they weren't developing strategic plans for their businesses. They were just creating a lot of programs, which is good, 
but it wasn't giving them the visibility, it wasn't giving them the clients, it wasn't giving them the acknowledgement of their gifts and their talents and the message that they wanted to share with the world. So a fempire, so it's a feminine empire, and we're, we're not against men in any kind of way. We're just wanting to help more women rise and own their voice and own their power, own their gifts and their talents. And so a fempire is feminine principles with, for a woman who's building a multiple um, service-based or multiple-level profitable business that supports men and women worldwide. That's all that it is. It's just a woman who's really basically in love with who she is as a woman. She knows her feminine principles. She knows her values. She knows her standards. She's living from her truth, and then she's building a multiple-level, multiple-service, profitable business. That's what a empire is. And so I just have a passion to help more women who feel like they've got a message they want to share with the world, helping them become strategic and then helping them get published, helping them get on stages, helping them share their, their, their message with the world. When I work, I, most of my clients tend to be women as well, although I'm working right now with several men mm-hmm. who are, are trying to shift their thinking and shift their careers. Yay. <laughs> Yay. And, and, and it's a lot of fun, but the interesting part is I got them through their wives. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I'm not surprised. Yeah. And I find it really, really fascinating, this whole idea of male-female, and that's a conversation for a whole nother show, Anita. Yeah. But, but for <laughs> now, let's, let's focus on my listeners because of, of your focus with helping people create vampires and, you know, the unlimited women. I've got listeners out there right now that are going, I need to shift my thinking. I want to create this business. I want to take my business to another level. Or mm-hmm. I'm in a career that isn't really the career I want. Mm-hmm. What do you say to them? And what do you say to them? Here's a question you can ask yourself to help the decision come clearer. Well, I think when you, you probably have to start with asking yourself the question, why? You know, why do you want to move into the next level? And who is an example of who's doing your kind of business? Who's, who's the example? Who's the role model? Who's the person that you're following or should be following that could really support you in stepping into the next level that you want to step into? And, you know, I think when when someone is at that place when they're ready to shift, they're ready to up-level, they're ready to step into the next level, they sometimes start to question their deeper desires. Like, you know, this is crazy. This is, how do I even think that I could have something like this? Um, usually when you start to question yourself that you can't have it, it's probably the very thing you should be doing. Does that make sense? I don't know if that came out really Yeah, well, and I think there. it's so important you need to say that again. <laughs> yeah, I, I just think the... So, so often we think we're being an imposter. We, we are living one way, and yet we have these dreams and this desire to have something or to be something or to do something else. And because they're not matching, we call ourselves an imposter, and then we end up pulling ourselves back and not allowing ourselves to go after our dreams. But the truth of the matter is <laughs> you're not an imposter. Your spirit is basically telling you this is what you were really created for. 
and now you just have to find someone or a group of someones to help you make this a truth. Do it smart. Don't just, you know, um, arbitrarily just quit your job because that's not smart. I promise you. I've, I've lived through the challenge of, you know, you're being, a whole group of you are being laid off right now, and you've got to figure out what to do next. Find a coach. Find someone who can sit down and ask you the right kinds of questions, like Laura or myself, who can help you peel back the onion to help you identify your why and then the steps you need to take to move in the direction of your purpose and of your higher calling. I love that. And I don't want to, I feel I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you this because I know you've got something really cool coming up for the Rose Bowl. The Rose Bowl. So talk about what, what's next. What's going on? So I've been working with women for the past, wow, 27 years. Um, within that, eight has been as an entrepreneur, as a feminine success coach. And um, I've been actually running away from my own destiny and purpose because in 1997, I was a part of a women's initiative, and we actually did a huge event at the Rose Bowl. And while there... I had a download that I would do once. I ignored it because my thought was, you will never get me on a stage talking to that many people. We pulled in 32,000. And, of course, standing on that stage, I couldn't imagine standing in front of that many people and talking. I just, oh, my God, no. Years later, I realized that that's, that's my passion. I love being on the stage. It is, it is my lover. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say it that way. I can I relate. I love the state. We have an intimate relationship with one another. And um, at the Rose Bowl in 1997, I got four, if you will, prophetic words, four different individuals at different times telling me, you're going to do something like this. And I've been running away from it because, of course, I'm thinking, are you crazy? You know, you know how much money it would take to do something like that? <laughs> All the questions that you were talking about earlier, I have them just as well. But I also have this other side of me that's very tenacious and very stubborn that says, okay, God, I believe you placed this on my heart. If you want me to do this, then here's what I need. And then at the right timing, all of those things are now coming into place. Sponsors and, and partners and all of these things are now landing so that we are, I finally said last year, yes, I will follow this path. I don't know how, but that's not my responsibility to know how. I'm just to say yes even if it's crazy and it's audacious and it's totally outside of my comfort zone. My job is to do my best in going in that direction and then trusting God's force and spirit to do the rest of it. Well, once I start to make that path, the right kind of people, the funding and all that stuff is slowly beginning to show up. So then I picked up the phone and called the Rose Bowl and said, Hi, I want to do and can I? And they said, Sure. This is that, that those dates are actually available. This is what you need to do. This is how much money it's going to cost. And, of course, I boxed like, oh, dear God. <laughs> I'm like, well, that's still not my responsibility. My responsibility is to say yes. And if you really want me to do this, God, then bring me the person who can help me do it. Well, three weeks ago, I had someone in, of a major corporation say, oh, I know someone who can help you get that easily. That's easy. And that's how she said it. Oh, that's easy. And I'm like, uh, did you hear what I say, how much it costs to do that? Yeah, that's easy. Okay, great. So now that door is open, and my job is to walk through it, even though I don't know what's on the other side. And is it scary? Yes. Yes, it's scary. But my vision is so clear that I will stay focused on I will have more faith in the vision than the fear. I have more faith in the vision than I do in the fear. And that's what keeps me going. So you're going to be holding a big women's initiative 
at, at the, the Rose Bowl. Bowl. In 2021, that's the intention. We figured out the dates. Now we're working on the process. Uh, our, our first team leadership meeting is going to take place next month where we, I start to map out and say, here's the vision. Here's, here's the download that I got. Here's what I want to do. Here's what's going to happen afterwards. This is what I need. Can you guys, who's interested, who wants to be a part of this? And so far, I've gotten some fantastic responses. It's been a little overwhelming. And very exciting and very scary, but you know, I stay on, I stay in prayer, and I'm going to keep doing it until, until the Rose Bowl tells me no. <laughs> we have to turn our proposal in on January, and if they, at that time they tell us no, then it's over. But I don't think that's going to happen. Gonna well, happen. And, and it may not be over because you just never know. But right. there's so many in, individual pieces in what you said that we could do a whole other show on in the whole lead up to it. But we're getting close to the end of the show. But there was one thing you said I want to make sure that people really heard. You, people started flowing in, including one person who was like, oh, that's easy. Yeah. <laughs> and that's so important is who you ask questions of and whether you ask the questions of them. Because what you're trying to do may seem hard to you, but to somebody else it's easy. Yeah. And you want to get to those people who can help yeah. you make that stuff easy? Well, I think if you take yourself out of the way, because I had to learn the hard way how to surrender to the calling, even though I didn't know all the details of the calling, because it's kind of unveiling along the way. And I actually think my personality works better that way. I need to see the big picture, and then the little pieces just start to show up. That's even how I did my education. And I just realized, oh, there's a doctorate, so let's go after it. I don't know how. I don't even know if I'll get accepted, but someone said you should go get one, and I said, okay, and I just did it. So I think once my personality just says, if I see something really big and, and my heart is giving me a yes, and again, I'm so connected to my truth um, that it makes it easier to say yes to something big. But my journey has developed me that way. I've gone through... You know, a lot of people don't even know that, you know, as a child, as a teenager, actually, young adult, I attempted suicide three times. So I had a lot of self-hatred. Um, I dealt with alcoholism. I dealt with sexual abuse. I dealt with depression. I've dealt with all of it. And here I am today saying, I don't care how ugly something is. If you make a decision that you want to live and you've got a vision, something inside you that says you are called, are destined for something greater. I promise you that God in your spirit telling you don't let go. And then just ask. Ask for someone to show up. And I do believe God, source and spirit will bring you someone to take you to the next step and the next one and the next one. And if I'm that person, for anyone who's listening, I'm, I'm kind of stubborn. I will get you to the other side. I say that all the time. <laughs> like if all you right. stick with me, I'll get you to the other side. But that doesn't mean it's going to be easy because I will push you to be your highest and your best version of yourself. Okay. Mm, excuse me. Why don't, why don't you share, and that was just an amazing share, uh, Anita. Why don't you share the gift you have for everybody to help them get out from their own darkness or their light and go even bigger and how they can reach out to you? Yes, go bigger, go bigger, go bigger. I love bigger. Go bigger. Um, by all means, please, you, know, you can go to my website, dranitamjackson.com. And once you're there, um, you'll see a pop-up for a free book called Becoming an Unlimited Woman. It's a guide to creating your unlimited life and business. <clears throat> Excuse me. 
And with that particular pro, our ebook is a five-day training, video training series to actually help you understand how to develop that unlimited woman mindset and way of being. And then if there's anything else that's there for you to connect to, please feel free to do so. I love that. And everybody remember, well, not remember, but Anita said go to DrAnitaMJackson.com, but it's DrAnitaMJackson.com is her website, not doctor written out. It's DrAnitaMJackson.com. Very good. (laughs) And then up on the website when I post this to podcasts and on my website, it's allaboutthequestions.com or laurasteward.com. I'll have all the links to all of this as well. Quickly, Dr. Anita, last thought you'd like to share with my listeners, very quickly. Very quickly. I want you to know that you are enough. You always have been. You always will be. Your, your choice is to decide if that's true. And please do. <laughs> I love that. I love that you're saying it's your choice to decide. And you've given us so much great information this show, Anita, to help people shift into that they are enough. And even if they don't fully believe it yet, I hope that my listeners took from this show even a baby step, a half step, uh, you know, uh, put your toe in the water of that they are enough. And that was so beautiful that you shared that with us today. All right, everybody, remember that the right questions can change your life. But what are you asking today, and who are you asking it of? I have great guests on my show every week. I want to help you sign up on my website. It's allaboutthequestions.com as well to get your own workbooks to help you. Reach out to Dr. Anita and any of my guests. And remember, you are loved and you are enough. Hug someone you love. been listening to It's All About the Questions, starring Laura Stewart. Connect with Laura at itsallaboutthequestions.com and download a free workbook that will help you ask better questions starting today.